This podcast is brought to you by 3B, the mental wellbeing company, hosted by Claire and Sue, co-founders of 3B. When you've got your wellbeing mojo on, you're firing on all cylinders, you're accepting of whatever comes your way, you're being resilient. We believe that one size does not fit all, and we want you to discover your own wellbeing mojo. So join us on our podcast journey where we'll be exploring the many different aspects of mental well-being. And hopefully, you can learn what you need to get your well-being mojo on. This week's podcast features an extract from our weekly radio show, Let's Talk Well-Being. So today we have the Reverend Jo Royal. Now, Jo is a mum. She's an earth lover, a tree hugger, which we love, mediator, celebrant, and one spirit interfaith minister. (laughs) Lots of different things there. So she works through ceremony, spiritual accompaniment, meditation, and women's circles, along with retreats, in helping people, mainly women, access their inner wisdom, return to their natural state, their own nature, and live the life they came here to live. How fabulous does that sound, Sue? It sounds amazing. I want all of it. (laughs) Definitely. Lots of things for us to get our teeth into here. So welcome to Let's Talk Wellbeing, Jo. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's nice to be here. Oh, it's our pleasure. Now, you say you're passionate about the health of the feminine and our beautiful earth. So I'd like to start there, really, about your passions, because I think that's always the best thing to start with. So what do you mean about the health of the feminine? Can you explain that to our listeners? Yeah, well, I I feel like... um living in a patriarchal society as we do uh, it doesn't necessarily serve the feminine and and serve what I mean by that is not just women but the feminine and feminine qualities too so we all have masculine and feminine qualities in us and I think they've been very much suppressed by living in the patriarchy So um, I think that what's at the root of what's going on with our earth and how, you know, we're having mass extinction and having all these crazy weathers everywhere and all the climate crisis, I think that's very much linked to um, not having a healthy connection to the feminine. So like the abuse of the feminine and the abuse of the earth feel like the same thing to me and they have the roots in um entitlement and ownership and living in a patriarchal society so i feel drawn to both of those causes and um and to support both of those so you know because you're talking about the feminine so we're not necessarily just like you said we're not talking about women so for example men 
most men find it difficult to talk about their mental well-being and stuff like that we know that and there's some amazing groups locally and dotted all around that are really supportive of trying to get men to talk more because that's important so is that the kind of thing it's like that would be getting in touch with maybe their feminine side the the yeah that side of things yeah. and being true to that yeah, so we can both have healthy masculine and feminine within each of us, whether we're male or female. And I think to be in our healthy feminine is to be connected with our emotions, to be connected with our inner wisdom, our intuition, our bodies, because like the earth's been vilified or um it's like uh, it's been made a resource mm. and we we've kind of gone away from even the body of the earth, I think if we can, and even our bodies in some cases of, or the feminine bodies been vilified, then it, it, to be in a feminine energy is to be more embodied and um, perhaps in our senses, so more sensual. Um, yeah, lots of different feminine energies, a receptive energy, a open heart. You know, there's so many. I think to be in our healthy feminine is really interesting to explore. Mm, definitely. So I'm, I'm, I'm liking where this is coming from. What I liked was um, you put in your in your information about yourself, your bio, that you can't divide mental well-being from your physical, emotional and spiritual. And it very much sounds that's what you're talking about there as well. Yeah. You know, and I would totally agree with that. But what made you put that specifically? Um, I, I just I find it really hard to differentiate. So when I teach meditation, I talk about the meditation practice I teach having physical, mental, emotional and spiritual benefits. And so physical benefits, things like it brings you back into balance. If you've got high blood pressure, it can bring it down. If you've got low blood pressure, it can bring it up. It's like it's really balancing. Um, mentally, it can help you um, focus and concentrate and prioritize. Emotionally, if you're kind of riding the roller coaster of life, you get thrown off less or you just get less drawn into people's drama and all of that. And spiritually, I would say my what I notice in terms of spiritual benefit is just feeling connected. So connected to my truth, connected to something bigger, which I believe in, connected to other people more on a heart level. So I feel for me that my, the meditation practice I teach and do has those benefits. But if I then go, well, what is mental well-being? I find it really difficult to go, well, if you take emotional well-being out of that, is that mental well-being? Mm. I'm not sure because, yeah, being able to prioritize and focus and concentrate is great. But if we're not feeling well emotionally, actually, we don't really have mental well-being. And I wonder if sometimes um, as a society, often I think we've become very disconnected from spirituality and we don't think about spiritual health and what we need spiritually. So I think, again, if you take that bit out of it, if I don't feel connected to myself, what's important to me, my truth, then do I have mental well-being? Again, I'm not sure I do. 
And again, and physically, they're kind of more obvious. But to me, it's all connected, mind, body, soul. Yeah, something definitely. I'm loving this, Joe. I think <laughs> the themes that come up for, for Claire and I a lot, when we talk to people, but also for ourselves, you know, in our own kind of journey, and, and we frame it as a mental well-being company with our three Bs, the, the be, believe, breathe, but all of the elements that you're describing very much firmly, sort of, they, they all feed, and as you say, they all, they all interconnect. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering, as I'm listening to you, you know, because you, you speak really really powerfully I think there's a real power there's a real empowerment in the way that you're kind of communicating and a, and you know as Claire said at the start a real passion and it it, it really comes over and it, and it feels like it's very unfaltering you know it's it's very authentic which I love I'm just wondering if I can take you back where this began for you is this something that you've always had access to for yourself or was there a kind of a moment that kind of made you tune in, you know, to to this feminine side and, and the earth? Yeah, I feel like it's been part of my ministry journey. So I trained from 2018 to 2020 to be an interfaith minister. And um, the reason, like before that, I learned to meditate oh 13 years ago or something and then oh maybe longer I can't remember now and then maybe for the last decade I've been teaching meditation um and so I've had a connection to something spiritual although I didn't go into it for that at all I went into it to better access my intuition that's why I learned to meditate not for its well-being benefits or anything else um so I think I've um I've been on a I've definitely been on a journey forever. Um even thinking back to some of the things I did in my twenties. But I think the this opening to the feminine has been part of that process. So I said, you know, I wanted to better my access my intuition and to have the courage to pick up what I was hearing. So as you know, Sue, I was a coach. And so for me, that was um, like a real business benefit to my coaching to be able to access that intuition. But I just think it's it's got stronger and stronger over the years. When I did my ministry training, what I felt like I discovered a new religion or a new faith path or something because we looked at different paths. So we looked at Judaism, Christianity, Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism and Taoism. But the first one we explored was the earth path. And I never thought of that as a religious or belief path before. And it really opened my eyes to that. And I really felt like I had this awareness that we are nature and we separate ourselves from nature, like we separate ourselves from each other and from everything um, because we categorize and we make everything uh distinct rather than see the interconnectedness of everything so that was kind of one realization and then the other part of that was as we explored all the different faith paths and i i'm kind of making this vertical um hand movement it felt like the the faith paths were all vertical but the thread that went through them all for me was like the mystical and divine feminine 
So it felt like that was another kind of awareness. And I I explored a lot of about the goddesses and just the way uh, the mystics and love. And it felt like um, it awakened me much more to the feminine and feminine feminine leadership and feminine qualities. I don't know if I answered your question, but that's where we went. <laughs> I loved it. No, I think you did. Do you think that, I mean, I, and we're in this world a lot, kind of like with, you know, what we read, and we, we're sort of in a bit of an echo chamber and a bubble to a certain extent, aren't we, with kind of what we have access to. But I'm sensing a wider kind of feeling, movement. The more people I talk to, not just women, um, the people are looking something to tap into and this keeps coming up as a theme I don't know if it's just something that's been sent to me lately with the people I'm speaking to and what I'm reading but I mean obviously you're in this world you know this is kind of what you're immersing yourself in but but what do you think about that as a wider thing do you think that people are opening themselves up more to something different something other to more well-being you mean yeah and kind of and looking I suppose at kind of different different ways or perhaps reconnecting with with older ways ancient traditions that you know have been around for centuries yeah well I definitely feel like that but again it might just be my world view and so we kind of get our world view from those that we're connected with don't we and so often I feel like that's the way the world is and then if I catch the news I realize that's not the way everybody's world is Um, so I I definitely yeah feel that that is true that people are opening yeah I mean to me there's a a spiritual awakening going on there's an um an evolution of humanity so I feel it's all part of that that people are yeah they're getting into things that they never even knew they might get into and it all feels a bit weird but they're kind of going with it so yeah definitely definitely agree it's really funny because I remember like years back when me and Sue, like, well, even before we started the business, there was lots of things that we talked about within well-being. And Sue's son was like, was this more of that hippie stuff that you're doing? And it's really fun because when you talk about the fact that you're an earth lover and a tree hugger, it's sort of like to some people that will be, yeah, that hippie stuff. But actually... It is more than that. It's about connectivity, isn't it, with that? Yeah, yeah. And I I feel that. I mean, one of my most favourite practices is to go out in nature and, like, converse with nature, to just pose questions and see how nature responds and answers my questions. So it might be... um to I don't know what I might be asking well how do I improve my mental well-being and then I'll hear some bird song and it's you know it feels like it's a message use your voice or sing or sing your song or um I don't know what else and then I might walk past a stream and it feels like there's a message of flow you know there's so much to learn from nature I just love to open to um it's wisdom, nature's wisdom, and spend a lot of time. I have a lot of regular walks. I live on the Isle of Skye, um, and so I have access to amazing nature here. You know, lots of people 
have access to nature in whatever form, but it's it's wide open and there's not so many people, you know. And I have my favourite trees and they feel like friends that I go visit on my walks. And there's the healing tree and the embracing tree and the welcoming tree. And I go and have a little moment with them and see what messages they've got for me. So, yeah, it is that hippie stuff. But um, <laughs> I feel like there's so much we can learn and so much we can integrate in our lives from nature that will bring us well-being last week i was led under a tree for an hour because i just had the notion to do that and it felt nice and it was all mossy and it was dry for a change it's been raining here a lot recently and yeah it was really nourishing to just be well, yeah, <laughs> fabulous link to one of our three Bs. Do you know what, though, Joe? The fact that you're talking about stuff that works for you, I think is really great for our listeners because I know there'll be some people going, she goes and asks a question. It's like, if you see me, I probably look like I'm talking to myself and I'm not. To, <laughs> luckily, I've got the dogs, so it's sort of like sometimes it looks like that. There's hardly anybody about to maybe notice you asking questions of nature <laughs> but what I love is the fact that you're being really authentic to yourself and this is what works for you you know and, and you talk about all these trees and then lying under a tree now that might not be okay for some people they may it's not awesome. get something from that but you do and it's really important that we do what works for ourselves isn't it Absolutely. And I think you'd asked me before um, if you could share one insight that's really helped in your mental well-being journey, what would it be? And the answer to that is do what works for you. You know, I was thinking, well, I could say meditation and I could say this and I could say that. But actually, it's find what works for you. So I've got loads of things that I do. And I was sharing with you before I work for women's aid I've been a women's support worker for the last three and a half years and um very part-time and I didn't feel like I could do it more than very part-time because I needed to put so much self-care in to be able to stay open-hearted in that work because it's hard work um but I've found lots of things that have worked for me so I have a daily meditation practice um and then I have I have kind of a daily nature practice. Maybe it's four or five times a week where I spend time in nature. I might walk, I might sit, I might paint. Um, so bringing in creativity feels really important to me as well. And then I have a regular dance session that I go to, which is about processing what's going on in my body and move my body. So that's a movement medicine class have a massage whenever I can you know it's um putting those things in I swim I I try and swim every couple of weeks at the new and the full moons at least because I find I get really thrown then at the moons um I sleep really well I make sure I have at least eight hours every night sometimes ten <laughs> um so, yeah, I, I mean, I put a lot of that in to make sure that I can function in the rest of my life. Well, that's what's really key is that you've realised and you've noticed that that is what you need. And you need to put that time and effort in on yourself to be able to function and to be able to do the, the, like, the really good job that you do there. The women's aid. 
and it's uh, like I know Sue Sue's all about the moon and my partner's all about the moon at the minute and I'm I don't I don't understand it I, I wouldn't even pretend to um but clearly it works for them and it's working for you what would you say to somebody who maybe doesn't put that time in for their self-care what, however you want to call it at the minute what would you say to somebody who's maybe struggling to find that yeah it feels a little bit like that put your own oxygen mask on first mm. um and I notice a lot of women I'm sure you've heard that many times on this show um you're not <laughs> I I feel like um lots of women and lots of mums definitely struggle to put time in for themselves and to prioritize themselves first but I really feel like we can burn out so easily doing so much for everyone else that if we're not putting the time in to look after our own well-being um it's not yeah it's just really not good for our health so the meditation practice I teach is a 20 minute daily practice and you just wouldn't believe the number of people that feel like they cannot have 20 minutes of their own life to themselves. Um, so I really encourage people say, you know, it's less than 1% of your day. And if you can put that 20 minutes in, then you can be you can be better for all those people, but also you might realize you don't want to do all that for everyone else. And you want to put some things in that you might enjoy in your life. So it helps you to kind of see clearly what's important to you and your life. Yeah. So I, I just really encourage people. Um, I mean, there's, there's other things I put in as well around support. So when I did my ministry training, we had amazing support. So we had a tutor that counseled us. We had a peer counselor. So we counseled each other. We had a study group. We had retreats every six weeks. Um, and I knew that when I was ordained and when that finished, I might just fall off the end of the of a cliff you know it's like where's all that support gone so I was really keen to make sure I'd got enough support in place before that finished so I still do I still have spiritual counseling every month I have supervision every month um and that's all space that I can take whatever I need to to share it's almost kind of what you're saying what is that the things that maybe we perceive to be nice to do or luxury are actually fundamental. They're, they're really kind of like, you know, it's sort of, it's what it's giving ourselves what we need, but, but we do, don't we? We see them as these sort of extras or mm. additional. And I just wonder, is, is that a mind shift? Is that a, a kind of a, I don't know what is that about. I mean, it obviously it'll be personal for everybody, but again, I, I'm going to come back to our society and how we're structured. We're yeah. structured. The society stru structured in a linear way to be productive for us to have output. You know, that's how it's set up, and these things aren't really output in that sense. They're not. It's not us being productive, but they are what what generates our our well being. I did um, a ceremony a couple of years ago, which was called For the Love of the Earth. And it was kind of a workshop and we did some meditations in it. And I got this awareness that 
all the things that we think are the nice to have. They're the life-giving activities that we need to do. And what the earth needs and what humanity needs is our song and our dance and our ceremony and our art and creativity. So it feels to me like, yeah, I say, you know, most people squeeze in their spirituality and self-care between normal life that for me they've become normal life and I squeeze in the other stuff between them (laughs) I've kind of flipped my life I think really like that I yeah I I think that's what I want to do just listening (laughs) to you it's like I want to flip my life and yeah um it just sounds like where you are is just is the perfect place for you it sounds like you really know yourself. How yeah. how do you know yourself? What have you done to be able to know do that? I think I'd say the work. Um, so <laughs> I, I think a lot of uh, regular meditation practice, I think, helps to connect with what's important. It's um, not in an obvious way. I think just some of the healing work that I've done, some of the therapy, some of the counselling, you know, really um, feeling the feelings, diving into what's there and working through it. I think that's what helps. But I also think a lot of people have no clue who they are. They've suppressed any desire. Again, a lot of women suppressed desire, suppressed wants needs and put everybody else as ahead of their own and then they often you know women have children leave home and it's at that point they go I don't know who I am I don't know what I like I don't have any hobbies I do this job but I don't know if I like it and I think it needs quite a lot of unpicking to work through all that yeah have you always known have you known from a young age or do you feel there was a time when you started to do this and live your life this this way round. Uh, I said I'm going to write a book one day that's called um, From Verve Clico to Living on a Bus, <laughs> which I have done both, plenty of. <laughs> um, then I think in my 20s, no, I was definitely in the world, in the career. I worked in IT um it was all about the next promotion earning more money and going out drinking a lot and then I think um maybe I came to my what Richard Raw would talk about he's a yeah a spiritual writer he would talk about as a second half of life so we do all this outward stuff in the first half of life and then the second half of life we come back to ourselves and go within maybe I came to that earlier than a lot do um but yeah I feel like I know I feel like I got lost in the world just like everyone else does but then hmm, I had things that brought me back to myself so definitely the meditation has been a big part of that um yeah and other spiritual courses that I've done uh but I never it's not like I thought I'd be an interfaith minister until I was an interfaith minister. You know, even as I was doing my training, I was like, what? A minister? Um, but I, I did it for my spiritual development and my spiritual growth to, 
to nourish myself spiritually, not to be a minister or to have the title or to be able to do this job or that. So this book that you were talking about, wanting to write, just it sounds amazing, but you have actually just took yourself off and, and lived on a bus, didn't you? That's actually literally what you did. Tell us all about that. Yeah, so it was a bit of a process, I suppose. So we we did normal life and had jobs and cars and kids and house. And then um, I got made redundant. So that was kind of a first step of that. And we, from that, had this crazy move. So we moved from Lancashire to Yorkshire and we moved into a caravan and uh, like half our income. And it was about spending time with the kids. The objective was to sit on a log to spend some time with the kids sitting on a log when they were little. Um, and so we did that for a couple of years. And then, and then weirdly, what came to my husband and I, both of us in the same week. So I was still working in Lancashire and commuting and he was in Yorkshire. And I came back from my commute one week and said, I've been thinking we should go traveling. And he goes, me too. This week, I've been looking at camper vans. And so I kind of feel like we get guided, you know, we get nudges in different directions. But so what the plan was to go traveling for six weeks in the summer holidays with the kids before our son started school. And it turned into a year. Let's go traveling for a year in a bus around the UK. So we traveled, we took them to New Zealand and we'd done some travel in there. And then, so this was like, we've never really done it here. My husband and I traveled in Australia and Asia too. So so the plan then we said, well, we're going to convert a library bus and make it into home. And we're going to travel around the UK coast for um, 12 months in our bus and just play out more really. And for me, there was something about teaching meditation. So I had this quest to teach 500 people, the effortless tribe, to teach effortless meditation to 500. And so that was part of it. And I ran courses as we went. And I worked for a company. So I used to travel and facilitate courses for them. So that's how we earned money. Um, But we didn't have savings to set off. My husband exchanged his labor for places for us to park. And we homeschooled the kids. And that's how we come to be on Sky, because we we took the bus from Saltburn near Whitby, down the East Coast, along the South, up the West, spent three months on the West Coast of Scotland, totally loved it, and um, decided just to stop here on Sky. So here we are, seven years later. I just think you're really brave for what you've done. I just I love the guts that it must have taken for that. And loving the the connection though between obviously you and your partner, your husband, because to both have that come in the same week, this thought about traveling more and it sounds like you're very in tune with each other, but and you're both going like, you know, ahead with this sort of adventure what I really loved was the fact that you were going to play out more and it was it was like this child yeah we want to play out more and it's like oh I want to do that I want to play more I want to go and knock on people's door you're coming out to play and it's sort of like yeah 
and having that freedom that just sounds amazing and obviously it comes with it comes with stuff to get stressed about I'm sure yeah yeah I mean some of the challenges things like we were on the south coast in the winter because we thought that was the probably the warmest place to be but actually we had three nights at about minus eight or something and we'd have periods where we couldn't access water and um uh, we even in like Somerset it was quite rural and all the forecourts and the garages were very low and we couldn't get in to fill up with fuel and all we had a little wood burner on the bus and all the the wood that we bought was wet you know so there were times when it was challenging but there was something about feeling guided to do this that helped that helped us maintain that bigger picture like if we're supposed to be doing this because we've had that guidance, then we can get through the challenges every day. And we used, we had, I mean, I have a lot of synchronicities in my life anyway. Things come when I need them. And so like our hardest week, we got um, an email from someone. We were on the South Coast and she was up in Suffolk. And she just said, I've got a couple of months work for you if you fancy coming back. And it was not part of the plan at all. We were going clockwise around the coast. You know, we were into Bath and Bristol next. And um, and and we changed the plan and we went back because that's what felt like the, the, the easiest, the most effortless thing to do. Yeah, it had come yeah. sort of at the right time kind of thing. Absolutely. But I think the thing about being brave is for us, it was very incremental. So, you know, I've been made redundant. Then we looked into We actually looked at our finances and we looked at how much were we earning to spend to be able to work? So how much were we paying out on cars, fuel, clothes for work, childcare? at that time and kind of did a big audit and went this is nonsense let's work less but reduce our outgoings so we can spend more time with the kids um and so yeah that's what we did when we moved to Yorkshire I don't know where I was going with that um anyway yeah <laughs> what it may what it makes me think is though that your kids must be really resilient and I've had just this fantastic experience and that real connectivity with yourself because it hasn't been a no I'm at work nine to five seven days a week if not longer you know for some people and for most people commuting and everything so don't get to see the kids and maybe weekends or whatever they must I mean I, I don't know because it's probably it's just part of their life of what they're used to but do you think they are more resilient because yeah I really do I think they bounce for sure they um I felt like that through COVID and the pandemic, like things didn't really impact them so much. Mm. They they were used to living. So when we were uh, in the bus, often we wouldn't know where we'd park up and where we'd stay that night. So they live with a lot of uncertainty. We all did. Um, and I think that is really helpful, actually, to have had that experience to live with so much uncertainty. I think we're all pretty resilient. Um, but yeah, it was a total adventure to be able to play out. And it, you know, a lot of people are like, yeah, but you know, we, you had the money to do that kind of thing. But we bought our bus on a credit card. We renovated it. Um, 
on a credit card. And we didn't have the savings when we set off and we earned what we needed as we travelled. We spent a year before we went travelling um, setting up life so that we weren't attached to geographical place so that I could earn an income not attached to geographical place. So that was quite planned for us. Like we never do 12 months planning of anything. Um and we wanted to just go, you know, and it was like, yeah, let's actually put some things in place. So we sat off in this bus. We'd never been away for the weekend in it before. So it wasn't like all set up and all, you know, organized and we had piles of money in the bank. It wasn't that at all. Um, but it was definitely about adventure and play. And the kids, they grow so fast. Mine are both teenagers now. So spending time with them then was what we needed to do because now well they don't want to spend so much time with us these days <laughs> it sounds like it's it was so it's like nourishment fuel you know lots of things to kind of feed feeding your family feeding your you know your mind body soul you kind of your physical you know that sense of adventure it just sounds like you're kind of feeding yourselves mm you know, in a in a different way to maybe the way that we kind of think, because we compartmentalise, but what it seems like a lot of the themes that you talk about, Joe, in, in your work and in how you describe how you live your life, it's you're feeding, you're feeding the whole, aren't you? Yeah, and that's, you know, that, how do you differentiate the mental in that? You know, I guess for me, a lot of the things that I do and a lot of the things that we have done to build that resilience in our children is about the whole person, not just an individual part of that. Yeah. I think I think it's helpful for people to to think about it in that way, because I think that, you know, like we were saying earlier, we, we try to squeeze things in because we're sort of we're we're treating it like a to do list. You mentioned about things being very linear. But actually, you know, Claire and I often talk about when we go going to work with businesses, we, we say, but you show up as a whole person. So you've got kind of time happening in different ways, you know, within yourself and outside of yourself. And and I think this is the challenge for people, isn't it, to kind of maybe shake off some of the the things that they maybe think they should be doing. Um, to go, what goes for me what it really goes back to the word that you've used quite a lot in the, in the conversation is this this sort of intuition and um, mm. I love that you're kind of out there helping people discover yeah. it for themselves discover well. their intuition and and follow your joy you know follow what um what you love to do I actually think that's our soul speaking to us you know though it's nudging us in the direction that our life was always meant to go in and it's got stuck in the doing and the task list. And that's not to say I don't have periods of my life where I'm really busy and totally stuck in the task list. I think I said to you today, I got up this morning, I've got nine meetings in the diary. So that's pretty busy. Um, but I, yeah, I think that following our own wisdom and our own intuition and returning. So one of the things I say about the meditation teaching is that it strips off a lot of the shoulds and oughts and it allows us to return to more innocence and more play and a, a, a kind of lighter energy. Yeah, and if I was going to say what things, what things should you do, what would I, 
is like do a ceremony, write down all the things you feel like you should and you ought to do and burn them. <laughs> burn them. And yeah. think about all the things that you want to do and you'd love to do and that would bring you health and happiness and do some of those because you don't have to let it take over your life if you still want to be productive and have a career and all of that, but just do a bit of it because actually it does feed your soul and nourishes your body and your mind. Is is that the sort of thing that people could expect if they were to work with you, Joe? Because I know there's lots of different ways that people can work with you. You know, obviously there's your work as a interfaith minister and but your work as a coach and um the meditation teaching. Is yeah, that, you know the ceremony side of thing is that the sort of thing yeah. that you might do on some of your your workshops and things. So it all kind of comes under my interfaith ministry these days. I don't really coach. I don't put myself out as a coach. Okay. It's more kind of spiritual accompaniment, and then that was the way that my coaching had gone. It had gone much more intuitive and much more spiritual. Mm. So it felt like a natural progression. So I work with people one-to-one doing that. I run women's circles. I run retreats. I have a Wheel of the Year program, which is about connecting people with nature. Um, and we we go through the different festivals in the year. So Imbolc and Ostara and Beltane, Litho, through the year. Um, and that's to gather in ceremony. So they are ceremonies. I also marry people, so I'm a, a celebrant and get to stand on the land out in the weather and marry people here on the Isle of Skye. So that's part of my work. But, yeah, the spiritual counselling and sometimes I teach meditation still, that kind of carried on from before. Um, ceremony, either somebody comes to me because they want to get married, they want to elope, they want a vow renewal or something like that, or I tend to work with people one-to-one and then ceremony falls out of that. So I, I offer, um, like, um, a trauma clearing practice, which is called havening techniques. Um, so when I work with people one-to-one, I'm intuitively working out what might serve them. And so I might offer something in. So we're working in a kind of spiritual counseling accompaniment way and I might say do you know it sounds like there's a block around that I wonder if we might bring some havening in and it and I'm really kind of person-led and you know I let them decide if that feels right for them but I would offer that in and in the same way I might say "Mm, does it feel like there's some ceremony around this that you could do and so sometimes people go away and do their own ceremony or they might invite me so recently I had a client who invited me to hold a healing ceremony for her uh, in collaboration with a Reiki master that she was working with and um, was incredible. It was in, in the, in Scotland and it was in person. A lot of the work I do is on zoom because I'm on the island of the sky. So a spiritual accompaniment work often I'll do on zoom. But so this was in person and she had a whole group of her friends and family, a circle. And, um, it was guided by her in terms of what she wanted in it. And people gifted her things, went around the circle. Everybody gifted her something for her healing, for the intention of her healing. And, um, and she spoke and other people, it was just 
amazing but I really just held it you know I um when I write ceremony for people it's in collaboration so we're co-creating together and so that was the case in this situation too and then yeah um we held in a teepee in Scotland um was really beautiful so yeah I I work in lots of different ways with people I don't know if that answered the question. I keep thinking that. Definitely. <laughs> I think it's it's just it's lovely. It's lovely listening to I could just listen to you. Uh, yeah, talking about stuff. And I just you, the beam on your face the whole time you're talking <laughs> really says you love what you do. And I think that that's really something special. Joe, it's just the time has at absolutely flown really flown um and we i could i could listen to you more definitely um unfortunately it's sort of like our time is is getting to that end and as we always do and and you spoke about this before this music music is really important to people we'd love to know what music is important to you what's your song choice I I always find it difficult to do one of anything. I always have about 20 I want to suggest. <laughs> I like that. And you know that about me already from the emails I've sent you. Um, so, but one song, well, uh, one artist that I really love at the moment is called Fear. F-I-A, not F-E-A-R. Um, and yeah any of her music i totally love but i am perhaps is is a song that i'll go for yeah i am by fear that was an extract from our radio show let's talk well-being you can listen in every thursday between 12 and 2 on hcr 92.3 fm or online on hcr923fm.com